0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app.
1: Indigenous peoples have suffered historic injustices as a result of colonization and dispossession of their lands, their territories, and their resources. And meaningful reconciliation calls upon all of us to act to address these wrongs so that we can build a brighter more ex- inclusive and equitable future for everyone.
0: That is Scott Fraser. He is the Minister for Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation. He's speaking in the BC legislature in just the past few minutes, actually. So what we know with the big news on the provincial government front today is that the government of Premier John Horgan is set to introduce human rights legislation today, hoping to become the first province to implement the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And so that would mandate that the government bring in provincial laws and policies and make put them into harmony, essentially, with the aims of that declaration. So the minister, Scott Fraser, says the legislation is a B.C. version of a federal bill that died on the Senate order paper when Parliament had adjourned for the election that we just had on Monday. So we are going to be talking more about this today. There's a lot more to come. Premier John Horgan will be having a press conference. There's, of course, many questions about how this is going to work, the legal definition of certain terms that are that are in there. We are tracking down some experts on this who Can talk to us about the legalities of those things. So stay tuned on the show today. Also, of course, a big topic of discussion is that Prime Minister Trudeau uh, really had a press conference yesterday and had a lot of message for people who live in the western part of Canada, particularly Alberta and Saskatchewan, uh, where his party, the Liberal Party, got a really rough ride. And he said that people across the country need to understand that people in those two provinces have faced very difficult years. And He was responding really to this whole uh, western separation chatter that has been going on online. Yeah, he Here's some of what he had to say yesterday.
1: For a long time, they weren't able to get their resources to markets other than the United States. Uh, We are moving forward to solve some of those challenges, but it's going to take all Canadians sticking together.
0: Now, we're going to talk more about both of these stories now with the help of Keith Baldry, Global's Legislative Bureau Chief in Victoria, who joins us now. Hi, Keith. Hi, Keith. Hi, Simi. How are you? Good. 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 Okay, let's start with what's going on in Victoria today. What? So, what's going on with this legislation? How historic is this?
1: Oh, it's it's pretty historic. It uh, BC is the first uh, province uh, in in the country to formally enshrine into law the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, and it will apply to all existing. Um, pieces of legislation that are on the books already, and to future ones as well. And it's basically legislation designed to promote, advance, and protect the rights of Indigenous people and their culture, and the lands to which they lay claim. It's a. Uh, it was. This declaration was first made in two thousand and seven. One hundred and forty four countries have adopted it, uh, to varying degrees in terms of implementation. Uh, with the technical briefing I received this morning, reporters received this morning, it was indicated to us this is a very much a long term thing. This is going to take years, probably more. Than, in fact, the federal bill you referenced that died on the order paper referenced twenty five years to implement Ooh. this type of. Approach because many, many pieces of legislation have to be amended and future legislation has to be written in a way that ensures that these rights are, are enshrined in, into law. Where the... The the problem is going to be, where the controversy is going to be, Simi, is there's 43 or 42 articles in this, uh, I think 46 articles, in the Declaration. One of the articles, it's 30-something, is where everybody's going to seize, uh, which is that First Nations have to be given, have to have free, prior, and informed consent right. to anything that happens on lands that they claim as... Uh, as uh, ancestral rights, and that's been interpreted by various people, including lawyers on both sides of the issue, interpret that clause differently. Is it a veto? Uh, some people say it is a veto. Others argue it is not a veto, but that's that's really where we're into murky territory. Uh, industry is very nervous about this, that one particular clause, because as we've seen in our ongoing controversies over pipelines in yeah. this in this country, You've got First Nations support a project, but another First Nations along the route of, say, a pipeline opposes it. Does that mean that can't go ahead because the First Nations doesn't have, hasn't given consent? So we're into uncharted territories here in many ways. Uh, it is a historic day, but how this plays out down the road, I don't think anybody really has a, a grasp of yet.
0: Okay, now is this legislation set to pass? Is this something the Greens are going to support?
1: Oh, yeah. Greens okay. are very much in favor of this. Uh, Adam Olson... He's uh, an Aboriginal uh, member of the Legislature for the Green Party in Sanish, North the islands He wore his uh, ceremonial uh, headdress into the Legislature today. So it is going to pass. Uh, I even think the Liberals will probably support this bill. Um, there's a lot of uh, First Nations dignitaries in the House chamber right now on the floor. They're about to address the House, uh, Chief Ed John, Grand Chief Stuart Phillip, um, no, it's a, it's a big ceremonial day, but also a very important historic day. And it's, it, it will pass the legislature and BC will be the first jurisdiction in the country to have UNDRIP formally on the statutes.
0: Okay. So we're de- we're definitely going to be talking more about this too, Keith, but I know that's happening this morning. I also want to talk though about something that you've been very active discussing this in the last <laughs> couple of days. And this is this idea of Alberta separation, because you've been talking about this on Twitter and what's the response that you've been getting?
1: I think I've had five almost 5000 responses and it's it's interesting so my take was you know this is silly you know enough about this I even said you know for those talking western separatism you know grow up it's this is not what and basically in sort of starker harsher words than what Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister said yesterday yeah. well, he took a shot at Jason Kenney and Scott Moe, the, the premiers of Alberta and Saskatchewan respectively saying no, this is, you know, get with it this is our country, you don't you don't talk separation just because you don't get your way at uh, the voting booth um, Alberta understandably is upset at its economic situation, it does feel, I think, put upon by other provinces or other jurisdictions but I, I don't think that's a fair accusation against either the federal government or other provinces that somehow we 're all joined in strangling their economic their uh, provincial economy, and you don't settle things by separating from the country and so I just sort of called them. Of some people to task on that on Twitter, but as I say, it blew up, and a lot of people are mad at me in Alberta, but a lot of people outside of Alberta are saying, yeah, exactly, this is uh, this is not a grounds for separation, because everybody voted a different way than you did. Right. Uh, this but is not what Confederation's all about.
0: You have said before, though, as well, like, you've you've been on, like, talk shows in Alberta many times, and there seems to be this almost lack of understanding like a very different idea of what's going on with something like the Trans Mountain Pipeline. It's like oh, a perception yeah. no, it, issue.
1: It, it's amazing that um, the misconceptions that are out there, first of all, that somehow the B.C. government is blocking the pipeline. It is not blocking the pipeline. It's granted every permit that's been it's, that's been put in front of it to allow this pipeline to proceed. The federal government bought the pipeline, for goodness sakes, and is trying to get the thing built and expanded, doing everything it can. Where this is falling apart or where it's, where it's becoming stalled is in the court system. And if Alberta wants to be upset with the courts and the various parties that challenge the pipeline in the the project in the courts, I mean, that's, that's different. But to accuse other democratically elected governments of somehow trying to sabotage their economy in this pipeline is just wrong-headed. And to use that as grounds for separation is just, uh, it's just misguided, to say the least.
0: It's a little bit dangerous, too, isn't it? Like, with the political climate the way it is right now to be stoking this?
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, national unity is a... It is a little um shaky right now, and there's no question. You've got the Bloc Québécois ascending uh, to new levels in Quebec for the first time in well more than a decade, and now you've got Jason Kenney uh, saying Alberta feels betrayed by the election result. Uh, We've got two or three different solitudes in this this country that have emerged right now, and we do have to be careful about some of the language that's being used uh, to promote uh, what really are extremist views. And uh, it's amazing, when you look at the election results in Alberta, how many Conservative MPs were elected... not by in squeaky by squeaker uh, no, results. Yeah. We're talking eighty percent, eighty-five percent of the of the vote going all one way. It's a very monolithic uh, public uh, type of public opinion in Alberta right now, which is why I think we are also seeing sort of the this, this uh, sort of separation being stoked. Uh, separation talk being stoked by political leaders because it probably matches where public opinion is uh, which is really at odds with public opinion across the country
0: right and but this was also the founding I seem to remember of the reform Party this is how that yep. got started
1: yep Deborah gray and other MPs it, it, it came out of Alberta and BC and it was all about being upset with the status quo with the East with the central Canadian establishment but I again, trying to correct people, when you talk Western uh, alienation, Western separatism, B.C. is the furthest west province in the country, and B.C. elected a lot of new Democrats and liberal MPs to the legislature. So it's not it's unfair to say there's Western uh, alienation or talk of Western separatism. There's Alberta, and maybe Saskatchewan alienation. And that's it. BC and other provinces are very much in lockstep with each other in terms of who they're voting for.
0: Right. And now we hear that in Alberta, uh, the premier there, Jason Kenney is going to have some roving commission to hear from, you know, people in Alberta. And this just seems to me, it's just going to let people who are really angry sound off. And that just doesn't seem Seem like a healthy debate.
1: No, it doesn't. But Jason Kenney is very much a populist. Uh, there are some dangers with populism, and we've seen it it's both on the left and the right. It can get a little carried away and lead to things to some either unintended consequences or consequences that were intended that really play on people's emotions and fears. And that may be very well what we're about to see unfold in Alberta. But back to your point about going on Calgary and Edmonton Radio, uh, the audience, when I go in there, it's a different audience and it's a different take on on an issue that uh, everybody across the country is talking about, whether it's uh, energy production or, or taxation. Alberta is in its own I think bubble on some of this stuff and to talk now about separation I think is just irresponsible.
0: Right, but I mean I guess you can hardly blame I guess people for in Alberta for feeling that way because they're being fe- they have all these other they're, they're they're being fed all this other information.
1: They are, and I think they're. You know, the oil patch is suffering, and Alberta tied its economic chain to that industry, uh, and rode it to high heavens for many years, and it made very Alberta very wealthy. Uh, now it's hard times, harder times. There are people who have lost their jobs, and their and their companies have closed. There's no question, and I think everybody has to feel some sympathy for them. But I think people in Alberta are looking around for someone to blame. That there has there's one thing out there that's to blame, and it's other Canadians. And other governments, and I just think that's an unfair accusation to make at other Canadians and other governments. It's we're not the Maybe. ones who necessarily created that problem for us. it's world no. markets, and it's, it is delays in the court system.
0: And also, we bought the we're all paying for the pipeline.
1: Like, we bought the pipeline. Yeah. You know, Alberta has to realize that Every, other Canadians own that thing, and we're tr- and the other governments are trying to get the, the the new pipeline built, but it's being stifled in the court system, not by uh, various governments, including the BC government.
0: All right. All right. Well, Keith, thank you so much. And uh, hey, good luck on social media. Yeah, mean- <laughs> I'll
1: keep my head down if I'm in Alberta.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for that, Keith. <laughs> Bye. That is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Beer Chief. I'm not kidding. Like, I was following along with his tweets last night at home, and I was like, ooh, Oh, oh, geez. Okay. And just the response. And I thought, well, he is a brave, brave man going out on a limb and, and doing that. Uh, because, you know, Twitter is not known for the best of times for being any kind of place to have a rational uh, debate about issues. But that's uh, Keith Baldry's my hero because he goes right out there, plow, not even plows right in. He uh, dive bombs right into these discussions and not many people are up for that.